Podcast. I, of course, am your host, Aaron Pym, and what I like to do here on the pod is bring in fun and sexy guests to have conversations surrounding sex and sexuality. I'm very excited about today's guest, a friend of mine and a fantastic uh, writer, performer, creative, uh, sex work advocate, and also um, a whore whore that is known the wide world over. Please welcome to the pod, everybody, (laughs) the author of Modern Whore, Andrea Wuhan. Hello, lady. <laughs> hello, 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 world. Yes, yes. My whore pussy known around the world. Yeah, the world knows you already, apparently. So you don't. You barely need an intro this time. That's right. This whore needs no introduction. <laughs> it's true. It's true. You're out there. You know. You're putting it out there. I love I'm- it. I'm pretty, yeah, I'm putting out and I'm putting, putting it out there. (laughs) It's so dumb. (laughs) I love it. So you've been on the pod a few times, um, talking about, I feel like mostly you've been on the top, on the pod talking about your book. Uh, this is, we're going to do more of the same, but obviously there's new, there's new parts of the book coming out, um, it's a hardcover now. It's been expanded. Are you calling it an expanded version? Or what's the deal with this new version of Modern Horror? It is unofficially, unofficially the engorged edition. <laughs> I like that. That's good. Yeah, I can deal with that. <laughs> I'm yeah. already seeing people like posting, you know, their like unboxing videos surrounding receiving <laughs> the glory that is modern horror in the mail already so it's all happening baby oh yeah yours is in the mail too i personally mailed it i can't wait oh my god i'm so excited (laughs) i'm pretty sure it's been delivered so you gotta go down and check your uh, your mailbox (laughs) yeah concierge i'm expecting a very important package excuse me Awesome. Oh my god. How does it feel that this is finally... Because this has been a long time coming, the second issue, right? So, like, tell me what it feels like to... uh, The journey and what it finally feels like to have it in the mail, in people's hands. Oh my god, it's so... It's so intense. It's so good. It's like uh, gestating a baby for, like, four years. Two... That's a long time to have a baby in the oven. Yeah. And then it, it, it comes out so wrinkly. Um, no, it, like... It's pruned. <laughs> it's pruned. It's a little overcooked. No, it's not. It's a perfectly cooked, perfectly baked baby. Um, yeah, it feels, it feels good. I guess it's, like... You know, when you come out as a sex worker and then you come out as a sex worker artist Mm -hmm. 
and then you come out as a sex worker artist who has a big publishing deal it's like you never stop coming out and so <laughs> I just I feel like I'm coming out every single day constantly and I take for granted how uh normal it is all to me because I, I just like I have so many friends who are sex workers and like I, I just I feel like I'm in this sort of insulated bubble where I can be myself and I'm loved and I get to love right back all the people I know that do pretty much exactly the same thing in various ways and yeah. it's funny to like kind of put it out in a mainstream way because there's it's just like not it's not everyone's world it turns out not everyone is a sex worker yeah it's funny that that's so funny you mentioned that because I I come up like anytime I come up against that same thing like like the edge of the bubble you know I'm like surprised it's like a little bit of a shock every time I hit that I'm like oh yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, the normies they're just out there living their normie life and I don't really know them they're an interesting non-sex worky lives like what's that about what's what's the deal with that yeah it's so so weird they're a bunch of freaks really (laughs) they just don't know it yet (laughs) maybe maybe the new edition of the book will will encourage them perhaps i hope so i hope so i mean i think that like it's a there's something I think what I also take for granted is that there's something that feels mainstream about the book. Oh, and interesting. now that the book's been, well, it like, I guess to me, and because it's coming out with a big publisher and it's this beautiful, accessible hardcover and it's like in indigo and it's like, yeah. I don't know, there's just, there's something like kind of like sex work goes mainstream about it, but it's not it's not mainstream. Like there is mainstream resistance to it. There are people who are journalists that are afraid to talk about this stuff and they don't even want to touch the book. Like they're afraid. Mm -hmm. So like, that's something that's kind of interesting to me right now is that like, there's something so wholesome about the project and, and about just like being yourself and prioritizing pleasure and fun and play but then that stuff is so scary to some people and they don't know how to talk about it and they don't know how to process it and and in that way it's it's still incredibly counterculture you know there's still so much work to do yeah it's interesting like that um this kind of two sides of the same coin of like yeah you're this kind of you're creating this as you said like mainstream piece of art for public consumption you know and all the normies are getting their hands on it and and being exposed to it but on the other hand it's like okay but sex work is still like you know dangerous work um it's still it's still scary shit there's still a lot of shitty stuff going on as far as like legislation and and whatnot um surrounding like our safety and like it's also the thing of like being this like face of sex work yet like the faces of sex work are usually um you know folks that wouldn't have access to creating a big piece of sex worker art like this you know what i mean like so it's like these two things happening of like of i don't know like that 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 kind of thing of what what the normies see sex work as what they know it to be and then versus what it actually is so it's like playing with these two sides of the same coin you know what i mean yeah for sure for sure and i mean 
the idea of being the face of sex work is so like terrifying because it's so objectively um inaccurate yeah yeah like Like, i'm not saying putting this just on you i'm saying like this is something that i also struggle with in being a public facing front facing person that is a sex worker you know what i mean this is this is stuff that i um that i have to deal with as well and try to figure out and navigate you know which is why i bring it up with you oh yeah yeah it's it's like so few people have enough like stockpiled privilege to be able to push the boundaries of being face out yeah um let alone having like both of us basically have our real names out there yeah having our you full know, lives out there yeah yeah and we're in the same position and it's like you know i think it's at least speaking strictly for myself like things are generally fine for me, but I still live in a bubble. I still live in a bubble where I have so much like love and support around me. So like the risk of going more mainstream and being more out there, of course, is like eliciting more uh, risk and danger. And I, and I'm not like blind to the risks here. Like this this is a serious thing to, to put ourselves out there like this, you Mm -hmm. know, in any in any way coming out as a sex worker is an incredibly like (laughs) risky endeavor it impacts you for the rest of your life you kind of have to be all in and i i don't i don't take that lightly i think it's i take it very seriously and that's why i've essentially dedicated my life to to making sex worker art and facilitating sex worker art and ensuring that like you know it, it would be my nightmare if, like, I, it, like, the idea is that, like, I, well, there needs to be so many more stories. Yes. My story yeah. is not, is Great not point. the only story. Your story is not the only story. There has to be so many other stories. But in order to facilitate that uh, range of storytelling, it needs to be safe. We yes. need to create the conditions of safety to, to protect people because it's still enormously risky to to put yourself out there like this. And so, you know, I'm willing to take the risk because I'm an artist and I'm white. Yeah. And I've got all these like privileges where like, you Same. know, if, yeah. if I wanted to eventually bury modern whore and like uh, start off on like a new path, I probably could. And renounce my sex worker self I would never do that but like mm-hmm. I, I think that like it's unlikely that opportunities are not going to I, I don't think opportunities are necessarily going to dry up because I'm a sex worker and I think that like that that has to be a standard that's applied to every single one of us when we choose to embark on a storytelling journey yeah totally I like what you said about like there just needs to be you know, I, I'm I'm telling my story. I'm out there where you both you and I are out there telling our stories. But like, yeah, the the thing that needs to happen is it needs to be safe enough so everyone can tell their stories. So we're not getting this like from, you know, the the general public aren't getting this skewed view of what sex workers look like. Even though what, they, what do they look like? They look like everyone. Like that's the whole fucking yeah you know thing. But you know what I mean to see like this really diverse representation of like what all different types of sex workers can look like and who they are and what they do and how varied that all is. But, but that said, so 
I like that you mentioned that. I always try to mention that uh, when I'm doing something super public as well. But what I uh, was talking about someone with uh, last night, actually, who was, because uh, I don't have your new one yet, we were paging through the uh, first version of Modern Horror. And I was just talking about how, though, in, in your specific story that, as we said, you know, is like we're white women and we aren't going to get kicked out of anywhere, you know, we could probably return to a uh, you know, another type of work, et cetera, et cetera. Within, like, your story, you do tell, like, this hugely varied, um, like, you tell the whole gamut of types of stories and types of experiences you have, right? You're not presenting just this kind of, like, sanitized version of sex worker um, the sex worker experience so that the public will be like, yes, this is good and a valid as a job. You know what I mean? Like you, Ugh, t- no. you tell some, dar- you talk about some dark shit in your book. Um, but it's also, uh, very empowering to read in a lot of different ways. It's always also very fun and funny in a lot of ways. Um, it's a, it's a, you know, a, a real person's experience of this type of work, not like, um, it's the thing again, I think of sex workers should be telling their own stories. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't feel like this character that somebody created and, and it's in a movie or a TV show or whatever. It's somebody's actual story. Yeah. It's not a fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not a fantasy that, that some, some person outside of the industry conjures up of what they think our lives are like. And, and really truly sex workers are the only ones that can, accurately tell these stories and, and and that wide gamut of experience because the, there there is so there it's on as for as many people there are there are as many uh, variety of experiences that someone can have in the industry and it's not there it is not black and white it is incredibly nuanced and it's also important to remember that sex workers are not a monolith we do not all like agree on the same things incredibly opinionated a lot of us and and our opinions are vastly different from one another (laughs) and so like there there just is no one sex worker experience but we have to start with personal stories we have to start with individuals um feeling safe and protected enough to tell to tell the stories that maybe people don't want to hear and sometimes people don't want to hear the funny stories they don't want to hear the glamorous stories they want to only hear the the traumatic stories those are the only stories that sort of fit into their worldview of what sex work is like that all sex workers are victims yeah because that's a common question that like a journalist would ask a sex worker when they're featuring sex work in some piece right is or or anybody you meet in a bar that that you might say well i'm a sex worker they're going to be like "Ooh, what's the weirdest thing anyone ever made you do or like you know it's it's that's the question we get asked. What's the worst thing that's ever happened to you? Like, what the fuck? Okay, Aaron. Basically, like, I have a story in the new book called Trauma Porn. Yeah. Um, about about all the different times I've been asked while on the job with Jesus clients, Christ. what is the worst thing that's ever happened to you? And I, I try to, like, go into all the possible motivations both uh both malicious and um you know innocently stupid yeah Yeah, curious innocently stupid aka curious like yeah (laughs) yeah. (laughs) just like uninformed yeah and it's 
such a disturbing question to ask anybody, but let alone a sex worker, while they are on the job. It's ridiculous. It's it's so uh, indicative of uh, an unconscious process of dehumanization, especially when the transaction is in action. Yeah. Like, this is a person p currently paying you money and then dehumanizing you with this type of question. Uh, and it really just shows their, like, their true opinion of, of you and, you know, where you work and what you're doing. Uh, and it's, it's like, if you think this low of me, why the hell are you here? What yeah. are you doing here? Like, who the fuck are you? Uh, I, you know, I, it's, it's so, you're here um, too. You're here too. You're asking questions. So we're both here. So like, why is what I'm doing worse than whatever the fuck you you're doing? <laughs> like to be like so blind to the fact that like there's no answer to that question that isn't re-traumatizing. Yeah. Like you're literally asking somebody to tap into their trauma for your entertainment. Ugh. Yeah, it's really gross and and I think I think a lot of people who uphold this all sex workers are victims mentality mm -hmm. actually like really hunger for trauma porn because it, it justifies Validates. their worldview. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really great point. Yeah. Because I, th I think what happens in a lot of like media about sex workers is that like, I, I think uh, what has happened like trending that uh that's what usually happens right and then you know there are a few people that as we said are privileged enough to be like front facing and are like you know unofficial representatives of the industry you know uh in whatever city they're in or whatever the and and i felt this too when i started to like get interviewed about sex work a lot i felt the need to counter that and be like no like we're here because we want to be here it's like a job like any other job and like um i kind of had to then come up against that thing of like well don't erase survival sex workers though you know like right. that's yeah don't go too far the other way you know what i mean like that thing of you said of like there's such a variety of why people are here and what we do um you know and our motivations for this type of work and whatnot it's like we need to see everything. We need to see not the victim story, but also not the white savior story, you know, of like, oh, well, I'm here because I choose it and I, I'm a luxurious bitch, basically. <laughs> you know what I mean? We need to see everyone yeah. in between. Yeah. I think like, I think the, the missing piece in a mm. lot of like um, media surrounding sex work is I think we're, we're too focused on like, um, criticizing sex work and we're not focused enough on criticizing work yeah because that's the thing yeah the, the, we live in a capitalist society uh very 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 few of us uh have a choice when it comes to work we all have to work for money we all have to survive capitalism we don't have a choice and so here comes sex work which is this for for many of us who do it, okay, maybe it's not the best option. It's not the ideal option, but it's the option in front of you where you can, generally speaking, pick your own hours, set your own rates, and make a pretty hefty sum in a short period of time, okay? 
we were not born to work. Uh, like, I, I don't like, you know, I believe sex work is work. Yes. But I am a human first and a worker second. And I believe that we need human rights <laughs> and labor rights, of course. But like, I don't think work's that cool. And I don't really like working. Yeah, and I don't so, have a dream you know, job. I don't dream about work. <laughs> no. Like, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, I would love to be able to, like, be creative and make a living. That would be nice. But, you know, that's, that's almost an impossible dream. Uh, you know, you can call yourself a writer. You can make a living as a writer, but there's like, you know how much work there is in like being a writer that's not actually writing. Mm -hmm. It's like the admin side of sex work. It's like how many unpaid hours we're yeah. putting into this one hour where we get paid 300 bucks an hour. But, you know, when you spread it out <laughs> against all the like back end stuff that we've done, it's like, yeah, not really, <laughs> not making that much. Yeah, out, really. so... <laughs> I really and I and I just I don't think this sort of like dichotomy between um, empowerment and coercion or, you know, who chooses sex work, who's forced into it. We're all forced into labor. Yes. Yeah. But some of us get to choose which labor we're forced into, or at least we make a choice out of a few very limited options and we do what we have to do to survive. But that's not you can't really call that a choice. We don't we don't get to choose. That's an a really interesting thing you're bringing up. I think why people get on the, uh, they get all muddled with sex work as far as capitalism goes is because for a lot of people, the, um, this might be an underbaked idea, by the way, because I've literally just thought of this. I feel like people's, yes. people's only context, the only time that they come into the word the concept of consent is during sex but um mm. so that's why they have this thing with like oh they're forced into it coerced into it they do it for money so that means that um you know cons consent cannot exist all of this stuff right um uh, you know, because con consent is very nuanced and it's it's everywhere. It's in all type of work. You know, it's uh, our, our consent is taken away, uh, you know, in, in varied degrees just existing in a capitalist world. Right. So it's like I think why exactly. people zero in on this talk when it comes to sex work is because that's the only time they are aware consent exists is, is during sex because because education surrounding consent is so terrible <laughs> is that a thing it's, is that a yeah thought? that's so i love that thought <laughs> that i think that's a that's a more that's a that's a pretty well-baked thought i have to say like i and I, it's interesting to, to think about consent in terms of capitalism mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. yeah like you're right <laughs> we, we, the consent conversation is so like narrowly focused on sex but like do we consent to work yeah if we had the choice, if we had the tr true choice to not go to work, do you think anyone would choose to freaking go to work? Like, it's kind of interesting thinking about how, like, there's a sort of, like, uh, you know, public discourse right now about uh, working from home mm -hmm. and how yeah. all these, like, these businesses, these corporations are like, okay, you've had your fun working from home. It's time to go back to the office. And people are like, no, I don't <laughs> want to. Yeah, no, no I don't. Yeah. Consent. Yes. 
And it's that thing of like the thing going around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's the thing going around of like corporations are like, no one wants to work anymore. It's like, no, no one is consenting to work at that wage, you know, for that amount of labor for that wage anymore. Like people are, you know, now becoming a little more aware of like, (laughs) I don't know, of of the consent surrounding uh, capitalism. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, you know, all these, uh, you know, corporations whining about how they can't retain workers. Yeah. And then you find out that, like, the workers have been fighting for wage raises and, and the corporations refuse to give it to them. It's like, how the fuck do you expect to retain anybody if you're yeah. not going to pay them a living wage? Better than a living wage. You're not going to retain anybody. And why are you complaining? Why is this, like, a woe is me situation for the corporations? Fuck all of you. Like, and, and then to judge sex workers for essentially seizing the means of production right. by putting their own bodies on the line, controlling their production and and making money. That's a criminal act. It is a criminal act to use your own body to make money. How dare you? How absolutely dare you? You know, there's no my body, my choice in a capitalist society. Like, I think that's becoming abundantly clear. Yep, yep, well said. Yeah, I had another thought. Oh, I saw a tweet the other day that that I was like, wow, this that's true. Um, that we've been, we've, it said we've been fighting for $15 an hour for so long that it's $15 oh, an hour. God. It's like, you know, we have to inflate it. Like, <laughs> that it should be inflated oh. like $20 an hour. Like, we've been, you know, tweeting about this for so long that... <laughs> I'm like, that's oh, so, so sad. <laughs> oh my fucking God. But anyways, I, I understand we're, we're digressing massively. Okay, let me try and steer this, uh, steer this back on track. Here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a great host. So- I've been doing this. I'm, I'm new. It's my first day. Don't mind me. Um, no, I love it. <laughs> I love it. This is what I want to talk about. <laughs> I love it. I know. We could just gab, honestly. Let's take a moment to talk about our lovely sponsors, shall we? First of all, ComeAsYouAre.com is a trans-owned, trans-operated sex shop that also happens to be feminist and anti-capitalist. They carry only the best sex toys and want to give you the best price possible. Next time, use the coupon code BEDPOST, that's B-E-D-P-O-S-T, when checking out at ComeAsYouAre.com. Club M4 wants to officially announce that they are back open for business, baby, at 1989 Dundas Street East, Mississauga. Club M4 is the largest sexually charged lifestyle club in the GTA, and they are super excited to tell you about their Saturday Couples in Single Women Only events. To keep updated on their events, go to at Club M4 Events on Instagram, or specifically for their kinky events, go to at Depraved Events on Instagram. And of course, head on down to clubm4.com to see what a lifestyle club by swingers for swingers is all about. I do I do want to promote this book because I'm so fucking excited. Are we able to talk about like like what changed for you maybe? Like like I want to talk about what is new in this in the second version of this book, in the Engorge version. What's new about it? And but I want to ask more about like what's what happened with you that there's new things to add. You get me? You know what I'm saying? 
I get you. I get you. Well, okay. Well, I'll, I'll say sort of in a like kind of chronological way after yeah. the uh, first book got published. Um, I, I, I guess I was, <laughs> I'm like constantly confronting my own naivete. Mm-hmm. I thought that like the book was going to take off and, you know, I, I quit stripping and uh, it was uh, great Be a writer. until I realized like, yeah, no, there's no money in it. There's no money in writing. There is no, there's nothing going on. So uh, seven months after the book got published, I went back to the strip club and I worked um, essentially until the end of the pandemic or the beginning of the pandemic, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we did another Kickstarter and uh, that was great. And then um, we got kind of a uh, plucked out of obscurity with a pretty massive hookup uh, from someone who was essentially able to introduce us to the president of Penguin Random House. And um, she, her name's Kristen Cochran. She really loved the book and she was like, I want to publish it. So that was amazing. And we wanted to do an expanded version because at that point I'd been working at the strip club for three years. Mm-hmm. And so I'd been stripping for longer than I had been working as an escort in my early 20s. And uh, I got hooked up with my incredible editor, Haley Cullingham, at Strangelight. And I got to work writing um, some of the strip club stories. But I think, you know, I have to say, like, there's something, um, as a writer, there you always want to go back and kind of correct your old work. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Especially Forever when it's editing. a memoir. Yep forever and you know there's there's a sort of adage that like once you put something out into the world and you publish it it's not yours anymore you have no control over how people are going to take it (laughs) except in a case like this where you know you first self-publish and now you're getting published by a bigger publisher and you have the opportunity to edit those older stories (laughs) you would think but there I have to admit there is something kind of um I don't want to say humiliating, but something like as a writer, I feel like the first book as like beautiful and precious and special as it is, it's like, I don't want to say it's a first draft or like a rough draft, but this like new book is so honed over Mm -hmm. and so refined and uh, really like shines everything up. It also reorders the first book. So everything's in a different order. Mm -hmm. But I found that like my ability to write had progressed my craft has improved Mm -hmm. and I think that the writing in the second half is stronger and there's more depth to a lot of the stories and I add a bit more of like a I guess like a personal historical element to it like I tell a, a story about my mom my mom's story growing up in Toronto and the like absolutely not so coincidence that my grandfather at one time lived in the same building as the strip club I worked in. Whoa. So, and my grandfather also um, gambled and drank, <laughs> like basically lost all the money the family had, um, quite possibly in that building. And so yeah. my joke was always like, I've come back to make make back everything my grandfather lost (laughs) and so there's like a kind of like (laughs) origin story there that that goes back generations uh that I'm able to like sort of yeah it just like I think it just deepens deepens the stories um 
I guess I, what else? What else did I want to add? I added a, like, um, a story to the beginning to like a prelude or prelude to the entire work called adolescent consent about my experience as a teenager posting nudes onto 4chan (laughs) and my mom discovering my nudes and also me like going out with these like full-grown adults when I was 15 16 years old Mm -hmm. and I thought it was important to not only include that story in the book but to like put it first because when I was a teenager and posting these nudes and like just so curious about how people perceived me and and how they perceived me not just as a body but as like a mind Mm -hmm. I was also writing and I knew I wanted to be a writer and like by the end of that story I have like my first piece of writing published in a magazine that I loved so much and I read for the first time in my high school library and then my my uh librarian at at my school like put it on display and it meant so much to me that I could like go through this process of like (laughs) posting my nudes and living this like secret life online um and then also publishing my work and realizing like there's no separation between my writing and my body Hmm. they are the same thing you don't get my writing without my body. And so there's like a, I've, I've always felt that um, that experience of posting my nudes in, in high school kind of paved the neural pathways in my brain because I spent every single day thinking about what would happen if I got caught mm-hmm. by some people at my school and, and what would happen to me and how eventually I got into this place where I was just like, fuck everybody if they're gonna try and hold my body against me they can go fuck themselves I have nothing to be ashamed of I am who I am I'm hot as hell I like my body it's it brings people joy when I show it to them like like everything I don't give a fuck and thinking about like my future and the fact that now my nudes were on the internet which meant like that was going to impact me for the rest of my life these these choices I made as a 16 year old Mm -hmm. and and feeling like you know what I don't care. I want to see people try and hold this against me. I want to see them. I want to see them try. And and just those constant preoccupations as a teenager, I think, led the led the way to me being a 21 year old feeling like escorting makes sense. Yeah, (laughs) like sex work makes sense to me. It is my body. It is my choice. It's my money. I like to do it. I'm going to do it. And I don't care what the fuck anybody says. Yeah, that answers your question. That's amazing. Like to have that, um, that opinion and that like mindset at 16 is wild. Like how, how beyond your years were you like, holy, (laughs) holy shit. Like beyond, but also like, I don't know, kind of stupid. (laughs) Yeah, perhaps a a little sprinkle of that. But like, honestly, I feel like a lot of specifically people who are cultured um, feminine, um, they don't, they aren't able to embrace their bodies and um, their sexuality until much later in their lives, you know, like 30s. They're like, finally, I'm going to just say fuck it because I've had long enough of um, you know, the script that I'm supposed to be ashamed of my body, you know? Um, so I'm, I'm, that's so intriguing how, 
at 16, you were already like, fuck this is het narrative. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Very rebellious. I think, a rebellious I mean, I, teen. I think <laughs> I was a pretty rebellious teen. I was doing some pretty adult stuff as a teenager. And I, I think I'm extraordinarily lucky that nothing really worse bad happened, happened to you. Like, yeah. Like, I, I took a, I was 16, I took a 24-year-old's year virginity, yeah. and and then wow. he, like, treated me like shit, and I was like, okay, this is over, like, I have too much self-respect for this, and, like, <laughs> like there was something kind of, like, I, I yeah, fuck, it was, can I, a, can, you'll, can you'll I, read it. I, I, I can't wait. Um, can I ask you, though, like, where, at that age, where did you source that confidence? Where did that come from? I don't, I don't know. I, I guess, like, I was raised by a single mom who just was so, like, to me, she was, she was the, the man and woman of the house. Mm-hmm. And she was so beautiful and so strong and so fierce and so kind. And I think a lot of my confidence came from her because um, I felt like I could talk to her about anything and I could talk to her about sexuality. Mm-hmm. And um, I never I never really was shamed by her uh, about my sexuality, which, you know, Maybe from her perspective, she could have shamed me a little bit more. You know, to change things. <laughs> Instead, I'm a public whore. Um, <laughs> but I, it's almost like I, I. It's not. It's not that I didn't get hurt in my childhood. It's just. It's actually like one of the reasons why I included if like so many childhood stories in Modern Horror in the original Modern Horror, and I add you know, this adolescent consent in, and I have another story as well uh, that I had in the second part, is that <sighs> so often our, our childhood trauma is used as a way to um, almost make sense yeah. of our sex work. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like uh, it <laughs> point A leading to point B. Okay, oh, you were, you know, molested in your childhood, so of course you're a sex worker when, of course... <laughs> people have been molested work in every single field uh, imaginable. Um, but for some reason, people, and this kind of goes back to that trauma porn idea, it's like they just assume that you're damaged goods or something, something happened to you that hasn't been resolved and you're, you're reenacting your trauma by, by choosing to do this type of labor. But I think what happened with me was that, like, yes, traumatic things happened, but... Every time something traumatic happened, I always had um, someone I could talk to about it. Someone who, like, got really mad on my behalf. Someone who would, you know, either tell the principal or call the cops. Like, you know, uh, which wasn't a good situation for me when I was, like, I got, like, sexually assaulted when I was in grade seven by some, like, uh, high school kids in the neighborhood and when I told my mom uh, she immediately called the cops and then the cops came over to our house and they asked me is is this what you were wearing oh. do you think maybe you were flirting with them uh. and 
my mom was like, you come into this house and you accuse my daughter of asking for it, you get the hell out. And they were like, oh, sorry, you know, the question's got to be asked. Freaking like 12 years old. Like, Whoa. <laughs> so yeah, the cops are fucked. And Ugh. so I guess I, what I'm trying to say is that I am so deeply fortunate that, yes, I was wounded, but I my wounds could heal because I had people around me who um, validated uh, my experiences and, mm-hmm. and fought on my behalf for me. So I never felt like I had done anything wrong when I was victimized. Or maybe I did think I had done something wrong, but eventually, you know, sometimes it was like a decade later, someone would be like remember this happened remember then like that person did that to you and people thought you know you had done something wrong and you didn't do anything wrong and I was like wow I've been holding on to this for so long that I thought I'd done something wrong in this situation I didn't you know yeah I think I'm just I'm very lucky I'm very lucky that way and and I think that's really helped my development along and I think it's it's just a just a shining reminder that we all in our like present day lives need to be there to support people who come to us and express their trauma and like be that vessel for them because it can it's a, it can change a person's life completely to just be heard just yeah. be trusted yeah i mean that if your answer to my question is well i had a fantastic support structure underneath me yeah um, then that shows right there how deeply, deeply impactful that that support structure having that had on, had on your life changed your life, changed it formed who you are. Yeah, and I think it's the only reason why I I have the backbone to do what I'm doing right now and to remain intact on this journey because I have I have that strong support system behind me that is backing me up that keeps keeps the spine nice and strong <laughs> drink yeah, your milk i'm lucky i'm very keep drink your milk <laughs> <laughs> keep those bones strong yeah. <laughs> it's very important keep the bones keep the bones strong we don't want brittle bones no <laughs> no <laughs> oh my god um so i want to say like have you i'm i'm wondering what the reception has been um like talking about since we're talking about this having this great you know chosen family um this lovely little bubble this sex positive bubble (laughs) here here in toronto that we like to live in like what some of the reception has been from people who are both in the bubble and out of the bubble like what what are people saying what's the feedback I, I mean, so far the feedback has been overwhelmingly positive. Nice. I've seen a little bit of criticism from other sex workers. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, that's perfectly reasonable. Um, you know, as, as we've already discussed, like I am one person with one, one experience. experience that's not going to cover the wide range of uh, lived experiences of of other people and i it's that it it just, it just is what it is and yep. um 
it's not a perfect work, but it is, Your it work. is my, it's my work. It's my story. And, and so, yeah, I, I, I would understand if there was a bit of pushback from other sex workers who would make different choices and do it a little differently than me or um, feel like they can speak a little bit more authoritatively on some of these issues. And I have no doubt that that's true. Um, but yeah, I, I still feel like even though the book is now on sale, it's uh, it's been a week today that it's mm -hmm. been out. Um, overwhelmingly, it's been positive. And I'm still, I'm just like bracing for that bad review. Um, <laughs> I'm bracing for the normie, the normie take if anybody has the, the courage to uh, do a normie take, because I'm not even sure they want to touch it. Um, are you one that reads the comments? Yeah, are you that person? <sighs> yeah, I I think so. I well, I mean, okay. I I ha I'm not on Twitter anymore, really. And I got off Twitter last September because it was like severely impacting my mental health in yep. negative, dark ways, and I had to just like kind of cut and run. And I think that that's been really good for me to just not on Twitter I think it also kind of shoots me in the foot because I'm missing out on sharing the book with like you know a wide audience of um, sex workers on Twitter and you know even journalists who might be interested in writing about it but sure anyone yeah at the at, yeah it's just that I don't I'm I'm scared to go and engage again on Twitter I don't like it it's fair. It's vulnerable it, because literally anyone with an Anon account can tear you the fuck down. Like, you know, under any post, they could publicly just have access to you and your, you know, your brain. It's like, yeah, it's I, I get it 100 percent as somebody who is like currently assessing like how I do my sex work business and like how much access I want people to have to me. I completely understand that choice for you, you know? Well, yeah, and, and speaking of access, it's like the book is, uh, I talk about getting access to me. Like all it's access pass. So I, it's an all access pass. And I don't, I don't know if I feel comfortable uh, opening mm. myself up even more. Like I'm wide open. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, that's what she said. I don't know. I, that's what Sorry. she said. I've, I've been watching a lot of The Office. <laughs> I apologize. Couldn't, could not, not say that though. Yeah, and I, I just, I, I, I'm the kind of person who, um, like, I don't really like social media. I have a love hate relationship with it, but sure. I, I think I just do better when I choose one and run with it. And I, I find Instagram to be the beast that I know, mm -hmm. and. I find Instagram to be like, I think Twitter is good for potentially disseminating, uh, like or casting a wide net. You know, it's easier to get like stuff out. I think to like a wider audience on Twitter, whereas mm -hmm. Instagram can feel pretty insular. Like I'm surrounded by people who like <laughs> already kind of like what I'm doing, mm -hmm. um, and that's uh, been great for my mental health. <laughs> No, so but I, I'm, I'm open to criticism. I'm just waiting. For, I'm waiting for the shoe to drop. I'm waiting for it to drop. 
I'm waiting to be told I'm a terrible person. <laughs> oh, no. Well, I'm here to tell you you're a great person, a lovely person. Very fucking talented oh, thank person. You. Jesus. Um, like, what don't what don't you do? Um, but this is an interesting Likewise. thing. Likewise. Oh, now we're just flirting. Now this has just evolved into just, <laughs> no you, no you, no you. Get right in on get right in on the mic when you do stuff like that. Oh, yes. get right oh, in. My God. <laughs> anyway, oh my um, god, Aaron! What I? <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I have like nine podcasting awards. Um, so what? Uh... <laughs> yes, you wouldn't know it. We um, understand why. <laughs> we know what the people want. Um... <laughs> yeah. This is an interesting thing you're talking about, though, because I also come up against this sometimes. I like um, just like specifically say with podcasting um, and like on my Patreon, I do solo podcasts where I go. I, I really like bear my fucking everything on there, what I talk about. Right. So like it's that, this interesting thing of like I do it and I feel, you know, fine enough doing it like in that like like as far as that goes and then when somebody tries to like engage me on it i'm like did i say did i say that did i no no <laughs> be me like i'm like suddenly get very like a little cagey about it i'm like did i talk about oh i, I guess i did well uh i don't know it's <laughs> like it's hard to, that's another whole level to engage with uh, your art on right to now oh. talk about the art you created it's like couldn't I just like I wrote the book and it's on the shelf like you know end of story like I'll wash my hands of it and move on to the next it's like no 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 let's put you on the steak and let's have a little roasty toasty <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the roasty We're not toasties done with you are part yet. of it. <laughs> well, and I think I think people crave a roasty toasty. Yeah, you know, like I think sometimes, like <laughs> you know, things are going too well in my life. I'm like, <laughs> I smell the fire. <laughs> Where there's smoke, there's fire. Did They're coming for me because I'm. I'm yeah. <laughs> oh no. That baby's been in there too long. <laughs> um you know, like yeah, it's uh you know, you just have to you put your art out there and it's uh you just hope for the best and and also yeah, you can just forget that it's out there. <laughs> just just the whole experience I, when I recorded the audiobook, uh, yeah. it was about a month ago, and like basically read the entire book, you know, from start to finish over yeah. a week. And it, it was like, wow, okay. That's the book. <laughs> I'm really, I'm really putting myself out there. Uh, I hope people like me. <laughs> like, this fucking scary shit but also like what the hell's the point of being alive like fuck it you have one life to live i'm not there you go i cannot uh um stay silent for fear of judgment uh i have to it's you know fuck it who cares i feel like just we just gotta do it (laughs) yeah yeah like no fear you know life's too short it's too late for fear (laughs) Yeah, way it's too late. Done. Yeah, it's in indigo. It's way too late. It's way Stop beyond. Stop the presses. <laughs>
No, there's no turn. I have passed the point of no return. <laughs> Certainly have. It's out there. Take it or leave it. Yeah. It's <laughs> a short. Take it though. Take it. Take it. I prefer you take it and pay for it. Not take it. I would it. rather you take yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Purchase it. Hey. <laughs> true. But like, Very yeah, true. and it's out there in a lot of different ways. Like you have done a fantastic short film surrounding mm. modern horror. Um, what else modern horror has happened in the interim or is is happening or is planning on are are you are is it over is it over yet do you have more for us (laughs) (laughs) will it ever be over i don't think so (laughs) no no when you've got a collaborator like nicole bazine who's a perfect genius and yeah is so like uh you know, visually talented. Um, yeah, can we well, take a moment know. and give it up to Nicole right <laughs> let's now? Let's give it up. Let's, let's just, up yeah, let's talk about the brilliance that is Nicole Bazine. Oh, man, she's so talented. It's pretty wild how much talent resides in this one person. And uh, she's not only an incredible, like, photographer of the book, but she's... Uh, just a visionary filmmaker as well and I, I I genuinely believe she'll go down in the history books as one of the greatest and I'm like grateful every day that we're collaborators and uh, you know she chooses to work with me I'm very lucky that she likes taking pictures of me <laughs> we're very you... lucky because she, she no go on I was, I was gonna say I, I don't know if I know where did you two meet why do you know each other? Well, right. How do we know each other? Well, basically, like, she's been directing a long time. And I guess, uh, yeah, I was maybe 20. Um, I think I was 20, 21. And uh, I got cast in one of her music videos as a go-go dancer. Oh, my God. And I, I do knew, not know this story. I knew of her. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, I knew of her, uh, but I hadn't met her. I knew her reputation preceded her. Uh, so I, I showed up, and we introduced ourselves. And she said, well, the other go-go dancer hasn't shown up, so I'm going to play the other go-go dancer. <laughs> like, sick. Okay, cool. And so then we just, like, dolled up in the bathroom together and got to know each other. And then we, like, she's directing and dancing glamorously as a go-go dancer in this music video what can't she do and uh, <laughs> then our friendship just kind of like it, it you know it's so funny when you think about like origin stories and where you meet because you know we met on a music video she was directing that she also like had to step in and like be in front of the camera and like we got to work together that first time and so our friendship is is like so firmly rooted in being able to make art together and then um, I went to one of her uh, gallery. She had like a gallery show. It was part of a group show, I think. And okay, on top of the fact that she's a talented photographer, uh, visionary director, she's like stupid fucking good at drawing. Like she's an illustrator that like. And I saw her her drawings. Like she had them framed, and you know they looked gorgeous. They were like they freaking blew my mind. They blew my mind. They were basically women as flowers, mm-hmm. and they were so sexy and cheeky and beautiful. And I just I was so blown away. And and then 
we just we became like lifelong friends after that. <laughs> wives. <laughs> wives. We became wives. <laughs> Work wives. Yeah. We are wives. <laughs> oh man, yeah. How dare she go walking around being that talented? How very dare she? I I how dare the world not bow down at her feet? Right? Throw, how how dare <laughs> That's her, what I say <laughs> her inbox just not be full of like interact um, email transfer requests yes yes you know love letters and e transfers <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm, I mean I'm not worried about Nicole being you know like I think she's gonna be extremely successful I think she's gonna win all the Oscars like I I'm just like I'm still kind of shook that we're on this journey together yeah. and uh you know, and we, we, yes, to answer your question, though, your first, you know, the first question is, yes, we are still working on things. I probably, if Nicole were here, she'd say, we shouldn't talk about it. So I'm going <laughs> to take a note out of, out of her book. book and say, <laughs> Nicole's uh, pr- private, private chapters and say, uh, we can't talk about anything yet, but uh, stay tuned. <laughs> Tune your radios to um, yeah our channel. Keep them there. Yeah, stay there. Sixty nine FM. <laughs> S- sorry. Sixty nine point sixty nine. Nice on your AM dial. Nice. <laughs> nice. Woo. Okay. Please it. One last question, I think, with the final few minutes we have here together. Um, what are you most excited about about this book? What is your favorite thing that you can't wait for people to see about the new version of the book? Oh. <laughs> ah. <laughs> are you okay? What's happening? The loser? Grab my sniffing salts. Uh, okay, I'm back. Um, I mean, it is such a beautiful. I really, I oh, fuck. What is my favorite part? I love the centerfold. There's a centerfold in this book. Yeah, There's baby. a centerfold that has my like handwriting and uh, my signs and pictures from my childhood, and then you know it folds down with this hot naked picture of me taken at the <laughs> Darling Mansion, and uh, there's like a sort of in this like same pullet. There's a there's a because my stripper name was Sophia, so there is uh, Andrea, writer by day, and a picture of me being extraordinarily frumpy, and then uh, <laughs> Sophia by night <laughs> in my stripper outfit, and it just sort of like breakdown of the, <laughs> the look. <laughs> but so yeah, frumpy, frumpy Andrea gets to make an appearance in the book, which is uh, always have a you, good thing. Have you literally ever been frumpy? Come on now, stop! Don't stop. give me a actual break. <laughs> <laughs> I'm flattered, but you could you, never. You are mistaken. <laughs> so actually, I I did say I did talk about frumpy me, me as frumpy Andrea in the, the we did a Now magazine um, interview. interview, and my mom read it. And she I I saw her, and she's like, Andrea, you are not frumpy. You are not. You know, don't don't say that about yourself. I'm like, but I am frumpy. Like, I, there's no. What do you mean? It's I'm not insulting myself. Yeah. I have my frumpy moments. Yeah, God. I'm just at home being a frumpster. It's fine. Yeah. It's, there's. It's, am I? In, it's not an insult. It's 
Just fact. <laughs> She's like, no, but sometimes you dress casual. Oh, you could say casual, but not casual, funky. Casual, Andrea. Like, yeah. <laughs> my, my mom's just on the defense. Like, it's okay, mom. I'm fine. So, so, We're good. I know. We're it's good. so cute. Don't worry, mom. There's a hundred really hot photos of me to balance out the one frumpy photo. <laughs> Yeah, I sure. Don't worry. I got it covered. It's funny. I yeah. did this like TikTok video with a bunch of other pro doms like um, years ago. And it there was like a trend going around where it showed like the before and after. Um, and it was with a makeup brush and you put the makeup brush yes. towards the camera and then yeah. you did the, the cut, you know, and then had the, your made over yeah. look. So we did this thing where like, you know. It was supposed to be, like, frumpster and then your dom look, right? Um, and, like, little did I know, because somebody else kind of curated all of these, um, little did I know that people weren't actually going full frumpster uh, in the first Rude. Part. Oh, rude. The rudest, because I literally, <laughs> like, picked up my phone exactly from where I was receiving the email and shot the frumpster part, the portion. Um, and... <laughs> And it's so funny, and I know how frumster I was because people commented that I had the biggest transformation in mine, you know? <laughs> and I was no. like, fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is, that's the tell. That's oh, the dear. tell. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Andrew, we should be wrapping up, but we can't wrap up without you telling us all the places other than Indigo um, that we can <laughs> get the book, throw money at you, follow you about like updates of stuff coming up. Tell us all of the things. Okay, so the book, thanks to Penguin Random House <laughs> and me <laughs> not having to do any of the logistics of getting this into bookstores, yeah, it's in pretty much every bookstore. It's in all the, you know, the indies to the indigos. It's Aww. it's in your local bookstore and support your books local bookstores. You know, these are places that are going to be subsumed if we don't, you know, buy our books from them by, you know, the Amazons and the indigos of the world. But yeah. you know, having it at at indigo is pretty damn validating, and they've they've done really like they've done a lot of work putting us on display which on is the pretty table. exciting yeah it's on the table it's oh not like hidden away although i think it is in the um community and culture section if you don't see it on a table so okay. uh if you're in a an indigo if you find yourself in the chapters indigo but um yeah get them get them anywhere um all good uh as far What's as where your to find instagram me, yeah that you're mentioning uh, I'm uh, I'm at uh, Wiener Woman. That is uh, W E E N E R Woman uh, on Instagram. I'm not really active on Twitter unless somebody tells me high run up the chain that I have to. Then I'm yeah. going to or tweet. I think, but... Suck it up. I'll I'll <laughs> yeah. If I have to, I'll do it. I don't want to, but yeah. Um, if I have to, I will. So you might see me um, at Andrea Warehun. Um, on Twitter, please follow the, the modern horror account on Twitter there. I sort of secretly <laughs> tweet because I have to sometimes. Um, but, uh, yeah. And then you can check me out at andreawarehand.com if you want to know a little bit more about me. And, and also if you want a link to see the two short films that we've made. We've made uh, Modern Horror, which debuted at South by Southwest in 2020, and then 
uh, last night at the strip club, which was a CBC gem presentation uh, released last year. Check those out if you want to see some cute little 10-minute sex worker uh, films made by Nicole and I. And yeah, stay tuned for more. There is more in the pipeline that I'm very excited to share. Oh my God, amazing. Yeah. Okay, so for me, at the Lady Pim one on Twitter, for me, I'm less enthusiastic about Instagram, but if you must follow me on there, I'm at the Bedpost Podcast and at the Lady Pim one We have a Patreon, it's the Bedpost Show. We have a YouTube channel, it's the Bedpost Show. And I never like to go an episode without mentioning the lady that does the original music for my pod. That is Stephanie Copeland. And you can find out more about her at stephcopelandmusic.com. Andrea Warehun, author of Modern Horror. Thank you so much for this conversation. It was so nice. Yes, I love you, Lady Pim. Oh, I love you too. Um, <laughs> I hope everyone enjoyed listening to us be idiots and flirt. And uh, we'll see you next week with another fun and sexy guest here in the studio talking about sex and sexuality on the Bedpost Podcast. Get fucked, everybody. A good bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network.